Hi, and welcome to Caskheads, a podcast for whiskey, about whiskey. I'm your host, Jordan, and with me today is my brother, Luke, for a surprise. And we're going to talk about American whiskey for the first time properly. We've got our not visas, I can't remember what they're called now, and we've crossed the pond. Esters? Esters, that's it, yeah. We've got our esters and we've crossed the pond. Yes, in this metaphorical journey. But this... we can't do it right now, but... Now. A metaphorical ester on a metaphorical pond. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about American whiskey. We took a brief detour last time. Uh, I apologise for the editing on the last episode. I realised there was a TV playing in the background afterwards and we tried as much to get the noise out as possible, but some still got through into the final cut. Uh, I suppose, first of all, do you know anything about American whiskey? Wild turkey. Is... Matthew McConaughey's. Do you know what kind of American whiskey it is? Wild. Free, it's a free it's, it's spirit. A free spirit. Wild turkey. <laughs> yeah. Wild, wild turkey. Um, uh, is it The Gentleman 2? Not The Gentleman. Uh, the film where Channing Tatum's in it for three seconds, like he Kingsman always is. Kingsman. Kingsman 2. They have whiskey there, right? Yes, Kingsman 2 does revolve around whiskey. However, that actually, that wasn't a bad representation of the American whiskey industry when they were kind of looking at the casks. Was, Everything yeah. else was a little bit crazy. <laughs> Beyond the really far-fetched plot. Um, Jack Daniels. Well done. Jack Daniels is, is the number bourbon? one selling whiskey in the world. Is it? Oh, I thought it was a bourbon. It isn't a bourbon, actually, no. If you look at a bottle of Jack Daniels... Bourbon? Um, bourbon? Bourbons are the biscuits. Bourbons are the biscuits. Bourbon is the whiskey. Uh, we, we'll get to that later on, but Jack Daniels isn't actually a bourbon whiskey. I'll, we have actually explained this once before, but now that we're on American whiskey, we'll go into it properly. And like I say, that will come up in the next kind of bit of this episode. Pages of the kind of flown off since you last explained it. Quite true, yeah. But that's because we put a fan near the calendar just to see what would happen. Any other American whiskeys you know? Um, so there's several types of whiskey made in America. The main ones being bourbon, rye, corn, malt, and Tennessee whiskey. Why does Tennessee get its own... We will get to that. Okay. Don't worry. We'll get to I, it. Yeah, I don't know anything this episode because I didn't type up your notes for you. I know. Yeah, you're going in blind. No spoilers. And I can barely read it from here, so... So one of the main things that separates American whiskies from Scottish and Irish in particular is their use of a mash bill when they make their whiskies. So if you remember when we were talking about Scottish and Irish whiskies, we were saying that if it's a single malt, it's all malted barley. If it's a single grain, it's all grain that they've used. It's all it. the product of one. It can be like... Um, unmalted barley it could be malted barley but the big thing is it's always one grain goes into them uh, blends are different distilleries uh, however in America they use a mash bill uh, you can use several different cereal grains uh, mainly you get maize which uh, in the distilling circles is uh, still called Indian corn ooh yeah you can change a word <laughs> yeah I don't know why they keep it rye which is obviously rye as you know yeah rye rye Miss American Pie. Okay, actually, you're cutting out of fair use time at the moment, but I do have one thing to say about that song. They're drinking whiskey and rye. Like rye toast with their whiskey? Well, that's what I want to know. Rye is a whiskey. Because you can get rye bread, it's really nice. Yeah, but rye is a whiskey as well. So are they drinking whiskey, like any old whiskey, and rye whiskey? Are they just having double shots? Maybe they're having whiskey, and then they ground up some rye, pour some water in there, and they're just like like a rye chaser. Mm, Who knows? So you've got corn, rye... Wheat and barley. Barley's everywhere. Yeah. Uh, the ratios these have, uh, there's actually quite a wide degree of flexibility you can do to create these different kind of mash bills and particularly recipes for certain whiskies. Every um, time you say mash bill, I think of Nashville. 
Okay. Just because it's word association. Okay, that's, that's nice to know. That's I'll bear that nice. in mind. <laughs> so, yeah, these, these uh, mash bills have a degree of flexibility, and they do vary quite often, even within the, the same categories. Uh, so just quick, briefly, the categories of whiskey. So, bourbon. So, what's the main difference between bourbons and whiskey? Bourbon is whiskey. Whiskey is a category, okay? Yeah, okay. So, so what makes a whiskey bourbon? A bourbon has to be made in America. It has to be 51% corn. In other words, primarily corn. You can put more in, but you can't put less than 51 in. Uh, you can still use rye, you can use wheat, you can use uh, you could use barley uh, to make up that remaining 49%, but it's got to be mainly corn in there. That's why bourbons tend to have a little bit of a sweeter side to them. There are a few other rules as well, which we get to, but this is one of the big definitions for what makes the, the categories. Rye, pretty similar. 51% rye in it. Again, you can use other, um, other other grains in the mash bill, but it has to be predominantly this majority of rye. Tennessee whiskey, which is what I'm trying to get to. Tennessee whiskey is quite similar to bourbon in a lot of ways. Now, this is where Jack Daniels falls in. Jack Daniels is a Tennessee whiskey. Is Tennessee a state? or is Yes. Yeah. Now, a lot of people say, uh, common misconceptions you get with Tennessee whiskey is a lot of people say, oh, it's not a bourbon because it's not made in Kentucky. No, that's not true. You can make bourbons anywhere in America. The reason why Tennessee whiskey is different is because what they do is they actually, they use some charcoal filtration on the spirit, and this is something that can't be done in bourbon. Interestingly, bourbons used to be done this way uh, before Prohibition, and then the style changed. And um, eventually, Tennessee whiskey, they got, uh, they, they got recognized for their kind of unique style and adherence to this particular type and so yes Tennessee whiskey is a classification all on its own it tends to have uh, even for compared to bourbons it, it is a rather sweeter whiskey actually so 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 do you want me to go through the rules of bourbon rye and Tennessee whiskey again uh 51% corn for bourbon rye has rye in it at least 51% rye in it yeah you can still put rye in bourbon bourbons can have a high rye content they can have a high wheat content they can have a high corn content and each one will give it a different flavour. So the more rye you get in there, the more spice you'll get. So rye whiskies, which have at least 51% rye in them, obviously a lot more rye content, a lot more spice gets into there. Rye tends to give you a nice kind of pepperiness. I've had amaranth and rye bread before. That's quite nice. I can't comment on that. I don't think I've had rye bread before. Ooh, it's. I feel like you'd like it. You are determined to make this a bread podcast. Yes. Yes, I am. Now, if you use more corn in there, obviously you end up with a nice sweeter side. Uh, wheat. Wheat bourbons are really nice, actually. I've, I've had a chance to try uh, a, a couple of those, and it is a lovely style of, of whiskey. I, I, do, I do like the variety that you get from these mash bill alterations. Is corn quite a sweet whiskey? Because yes. corn is sweet. So, so, we covered bourbon, we covered rye, and we covered Tennessee whiskey. Yeah. Now, before I go on, I'll explain that these three styles I've just been through, they have to use brand new charred American oak casks. Now, the oak has to be from the Ozark Mountains. And again, I know I've apologized for this once before. I am sorry if you don't pronounce that mountain range Ozark. Ozark? I think it's... No, I, I, I read it as Ozark. It could be Ozark, actually, sorry. Has to use brand new American oak. Um, the, the casks have to be charred and the oak has to be sourced from the Ozark Mountains. Do they then just get rid of the barrels afterwards? Well, this is it. Now, they can only use these barrels once. However, this is why the Scotch whisky industry, which is why I've kept this close to hand, this is uh, Balblair, it's quite a light one. As we've said before, bourbon, cask and matured whisky comes from the fact that there's a lot of 
used uh, bourbon casks around. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this time round, it really opens up the wood and Scotch whiskey and Irish whiskey and other industries. They can get these casks relatively cheap because there's so many of them around, and they can use them. Uh, some distilleries in America, they can reuse them for other whiskeys, which we'll get to in another point. But for bourbon, rye, and Tennessee whiskey, has to be this brand new oak. You can't reuse the barrels. So corn whiskey, corn whiskey. Corn I like whiskey separate to bourbon. Yeah. Corn whiskey, as you might have guessed, Ooh. has a lot of corn in it. Are we talking about corn whiskey? Yeah, we're talking about corn whiskey. Wow. Corn whiskey um, has to have a minimum of 80% corn in the mash bill as opposed to bourbon's 51. A lot more corn in there. You can still use some other stuff, uh, but you have to have 80%. A lot of corn. That's a lot of corn. It is. It's a lot of corn. It's like one of your five a day worth of corn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drinking of corn whiskey, you might get one of five a day. Don't do that. Just have like three tablespoons of sweet corn. <laughs> But the other really big rule for corn whiskey is that um, if you age it, it has to use reused oak. I thought you had to age whiskey, what? Ah, now it gets different. This is what I'm saying. Has to use reused oak or uncharred oak if aged. So you can use brand new oak, but you don't char it this time, whereas with with the bourbon you do, and the rye and the, the Tennessee whiskey. However... You can also put it through. You can also sell it unaged, as um, as uh, they call it, white dog spirit. Actually, in America, that is arguably the best name. If someone said to me, "Hey, do you want some white dog spirit?" I'd be like, "Nah, man, that sounds like I'll go blind from it." Do we call it New Make Spirit in oh. for Scottish? You know, I can show you the Glen Glasgow. Yeah, it's clear. It's unaged, um, and and basically, corn whiskey gets a, whether it's aged in these reused casks or uncharred oak. Or whether it's unaged, you still get a lot more corn coming through. It really is a very, very sweet one. I've definitely let you smell corn whiskey before. You like the smell of it. It sounds about right. I uh, love corn. I think it was Platte Valley I let you try, actually. Oh, who knows? And finally, although there are a few other versions, there are a few other whiskies, but finally, the main ones to go through is single malt. America does make single malt whiskey, and it has to be done the same way as other single malts. So it has to be a product of one distillery, all malted barley, distilled on copper pot stills, matured in oak casks. I've just thought of the episode name. I corn hardly believe it. Now, so. after these <laughs> after these classifications, you then get two other important things in American whiskey that's worth noting. Uh, if you look at a bottle of American whiskey, sometimes you will also see the word straight on it. I knew you were going to look up. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to put me in a box? <laughs> I know it's Pride Month, but no, the industry isn't against Pride. <laughs> straight refers to the whiskey being aged in these new charred oak casks for at least two years. Oh, okay. Minimum of two years if it's got that age on it. So it's kind of a, a nice separation of the classification. It's to have a slightly higher age, um, and it, it just improves it a little bit of the flavour. You get that more oak contact coming on. You see, one of the big problems is, as you may be aware, in America, particularly in places like Kentucky, but also Tennessee and, and other states... That's the South, right? Yeah. Yeah. But the, 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 where a lot of these bourbons and ryes are made these days, like I say, you can make it anywhere over America, but where a lot of it is made is Kentucky at the moment. You may or may not know this, but it's actually warmer in Kentucky than Scotland and Ireland. I, I have heard things. It's in the summer. It's just very, very warm. But also, the warehouses where they mature their whiskies is a very, very different style to how they do it in America. They're called these Rick houses. Very, very big, big buildings. Um, Rick or brick? Rick. R-I-C-K. Rick. Okay. Uh, can be made of brick. Uh, and often they can have, uh, or they can be made of metal cladding 
uh, and they will often, sometimes that sounds even terrible have, like, in heat. Yeah, exactly. They'll have these metal roofs as well. And so combine that with the heat and the humidity and things, and cask maturation works very, very different to Scotland. In fact, whiskey actually gets stronger as it ages in America. I'm I'm just like imagine being the one person in the middle of summer that has to go te- go go check on the casks. Yeah, so Dave's um, back again. He's he's going in now. Brick houses they're very very tall. They re- they are. There's there's layers and layers, and these casks are stacked so high. And as as I'm sure you can imagine, just using some common sense, the middle kind of section of the warehouse, well, the, towards the bottom of the middle section, I suppose technically has the least temperature fluctuation because obviously you're going to get all that heat trapped in the top. Mm -hmm. So some of the best casks are the ones that are kept in the middle because they have somewhat of a a kind of uniform maturation across. So why don't they just keep all the casks in the middle? Uh, Because then you'd have very hollow top bits. (laughs) Yeah, but if that's the most consistent... Or do they rotate the casks around? Some distilleries, this is what I was getting to, some distilleries do actually, they'll rotate the casks around. We'll convey about very slowly moving. <laughs> yeah, this conveyor belt is just um, like the, 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 the conveyor belt toasters. Yes. Yeah. the casks are just like going around and up. The worst thing about the conveyor belt toasters is when the toast gets stuck, you know? Mm. You wouldn't want a cask to get stuck. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just like, oh, you know, uh, Dave, just, we've yeah. got a blockage in the conveyor belt. Go and scramble up there. Sorry, Dave, it's your job. Um, so, yes, and sometimes they will. They will rotate these casks around. However, also the plus side is if you leave casks at the top, you get that more heat fluctuation, a lot more heat. You can mature those casks quicker. Mm. So you could also do it that way. You could be turning out a lot more product quicker if you think about it that way. But it would only class as the years it's matured, right? Oh, yeah. It still only classes the years it's matured. But American whiskey can be sold a lot younger. This is what I'm saying. Ah. It doesn't mean it's inferior. It's to do with the aging. I mean, also, it's worth noticing you can get old American whiskey. Um, one of my favorite ones, uh, Eagle Rare is 10 years old bourbon which is really old for a bourbon you don't oh, is you it? just don't tend to see it you, you often see like two-year-old four-year-old bourbon six-year-old sometimes 10-year-old is quite an achievement to get it that old wow but eagle rare is great first of all because the, the name's pretty good the bottle looks good as well but this this 10-year-old bourbon is is really oh it's lovely i like the eagle rare seems like someone that didn't quite get their sentence right wrong they're like saw an eagle eagle rare that's an eagle yeah, that's, that's a bottle of Eagle Rare. I, I think it's great. It's pretty simplistic, but I think it's a great whiskey. Like I say, it's 10-year-old bourbon. So wait, so are all bourbons straight bourbons? No, this is what I was saying to you. If it says straight, it's at least two years old. Right. Oh, so they can Remember sell we covered that? This is the end of that part of the conversation where we're on about straight bourbon oh, aging. Oh, man. Rough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll bother with a test at the end of this episode. Where you're going. <laughs> um, Maybe I should have had more coffee before this. But yeah, I mean, this says Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. Yeah, so you already you know it's at least two years old, but Eagle Rare is ten years old. It says on the back, aged ten years. I was going to say it doesn't have the big number like normal whiskey does. Yeah, you see, American whiskey tends not to advertise the age as much as well you'll notice if you look at most bottles of American whiskey they don't really often show you the age um, most of them being like I say around about 10 uh, around about 2 to 4 years old the depending ears on the of Birdhead with stars oh, I've never noticed that before yes yeah, so they wow. even made the top of the Ian Eagle yep pretty cool that uh, is straight whiskey I like whiskey. the R as well it's like a pirate map R it does okay yeah you've got yep. that kind of flourish yep that's straight whiskey there's another important classification to American whiskey, which is bottled in bond, or often you'll see the initials BIB. B 
BIB. Bottled in bond is a really important thing with American whiskies. To have this classification, this is even stricter than straight. God, it sounds awful saying that on it, Pride Month. It does. It doesn't sound good. <laughs> I mean, it'd be awful saying it any month, what? <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Like, with it being Pride Month and you just, yeah. It's okay. If you edit this podcast late, it won't be Pride Month anymore. It's Pride Month when we're recording it. Yeah, that's true. Bottle in bond. Has to be at least four years old, as opposed to straight, where it's two. But also, very, very importantly, has to have been matured in these uh, charred oak casks for all four years, in government-bonded warehouses, and bottled at 50% ABV. Now, this is a, this is done to uh, ensure a consistent quality, because throughout history of making whiskey, there's been people who have cut corners and standards to make money, they've sent out inferior products. Not saying everyone's done this, but there's been a lot of bad, bad spirits sent out over the years by less reputable people. Now, Bottled and Bond was a way to ensure that there was this consistent quality sent out. It was a reassuring kind of statement, and it also, very, very importantly, the whiskey had to be the product of one distillation from one distillery by one distiller. Falls under a very unfortunate time for American whiskey where rectifiers were starting to... Well, some rectifiers were starting to send out some very, very dangerous spirit. Uh, rectifying is basically the process of blending, actually. Like, like how we get blends in Scotland, where you'd get... Or, or Ireland, where you get a series of different distilleries blended together to create a product, a consistent f- uh, recipe or formula. That was the idea behind rectification. That's a hard word to say. Yeah, you don't want to start a word with rex and go very wrong. <laughs> Rectangle? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine where you're... <laughs> so, yeah. Now, the problem is some rectifiers, not all of them, but some rectifiers were sending out very dangerous spirit. They were basically getting very, very, very poisonous alcohol. And then they were putting in all sorts of colouring and flavours to make it look and taste a little bit like whiskey. Um, I mean, notably, one of the quotes that always sticks in my mind uh, was from a very, very clever man, um, wonderful man for the bourbon industry called Pappy Van Winkle. Pappy Van Winkle! Which I know you know about. Um, Literally only know the name. Pappy Van Winkle, um, which we'll get to another time, actually. But Pappy Van Winkle's basically called in front. um, Anyways, he was giving uh, his testimony towards uh, his quality of whiskey and he was saying when it comes to rectifiers it's not just a case of sometimes you might wake up blind um, after having some of this whiskey Uh, you were lucky if you woke up it was that bad wow yeah it was it was some of the stuff that was being churned out like I say it's not all rectifiers were doing this certainly not some of the some of the big names in American whiskey started off as rectifiers and they were doing it well. But there were also these less reputable people who were churning out some really poisonous uh, alcohol. And so that's why there was this kind of safety put in place to defend uh, the standards of American whiskey, yeah. So is it only bib that gets monitored? All whiskey's monitored to an extent. You can't get away with anything, really. You, ha- you still have to follow these rules. I mean, it's American whiskey is uh, actually falls under the... Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms. Why are they controlling those three things? I know. I think that's a great combination. Maybe not all three together at one go. Uh, but yeah, so there's there's really strict rules in place for all American whiskey, but the idea was bottled in bond was kind of a nice way of reassuring consumers in a, in a less certain time. And, and the standards of bottled and bond have been kept in place now. It is a recognised style of American whiskey and it still holds quality to this day. 
Okay, 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 okay. What's the strongest whiskey you've ever had? That I've ever had? Yeah. Ooh, it would be... I don't really keep track of that. It's going to be something like... It's either going to be an Octomore, because Octomores can go up to, like... They're always cast strength, and I've seen them at, like, 59. I don't think I've... I've seen one at 62%, and I don't think I've tried that one. But it could also be... Do you add water to the 62% ones? Oh, yes! Uh, it might have been a Kilcarran. There was a young Kilcarran cask strength whiskey that was um, very heavily peated. Oof. Really heavily peated, and that, that might be the strongest. But like I say, I, I tend not to... I keep track of the figures in the shop so that if I get asked about that, but I don't keep track of what I've had on that standards. I don't really... Like, American whiskey tastes nicer, stronger, but there's a limit to that rule right? yeah. with anything. If you get past 50... Well, when you start getting past, like, 58% and stuff, it's... That's the rules. The basic rules of American whiskey covered. The, yep. the reason why I wanted to cover them is, over the rest of this episode and the remain uh, the, the, the following episode where we talk a bit more about bourbon, we can kind of... We can call back to these rules, but at least you know the basics of them. But what I want to talk about is rye today. Yep. I want to talk about rye because it was actually the predominant style of whiskey made and consumed in America until bourbon took its place. Um, now, there's a lot of rules towards, a lot of reasons towards why this happened. Particularly, rye was a, a grain that was very readily available uh, at the start of them settling in America. But also, um, th- there's a theory that um, Germans actually brought this practice along because rye has been used for distilling in Germany for a very long time before they came over to America and so they probably brought this with them as well. Rye whiskey, as I said, it tends to have this wonderful spice, often a pepperiness, and it I, I, I actually think it's great, particularly if you're also if you're a fan of um, cocktails. Uh, things like the Old Fashioned, the Manhattan, uh, they were they were designed with rye whiskey in mind when they were originally made. So a lot of people these days, when they think of Manhattan and Old Fashioned cocktails, they'll have it with bourbon. But if you want to try kind of a, a different style, then I really recommend adding rye whiskey to it. I've never had an Old Fashioned, just because I don't think I would like it, but I have had a Manhattan before. Somehow I, I knew you'd have something to say about the cocktail section. I like cocktails. Uh, but I, I love rye whiskey anyway. I, I really enjoy it neat. It's, it's a lovely warming flavour, particularly in like autumn, winter. But I do like it in the summer as well. I like whiskey all year round, really. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, very noticeable rye whiskeys that's worth mentioning from the beginning. Uh, so there's, there's, there's all sorts out there. And if I don't mention them, I'm not saying that they're a bad whiskey. But I really like um, Sazerac rye. is a great one. Sazerac? Sazerac rye. In fact, Sazerac's also a cocktail. It's worth mentioning. But Sazerac rye is always a great one. Very, very distinct bottle. Lovely kind of aged rye whiskey. Lovely spice to it. A little bit softer compared to some of the rye whiskeys I've tried. And I, I do find it's a great one to try. Particularly, it's a little bit more expensive than some others. But it's particularly a nice introduction to rye whiskey. Because it has that softer side. When you say spice... Do you mean vague spice or like... Well, you'll find out during the tasting section. I'm not going to taste it. Well, you'll know knows it though, won't you? Um, after Sazerac, um, Rittenhouse Rye is a great one. In fact, I think Rittenhouse might be my favourite rye whiskey because... These all have amazing names. Rittenhouse uh, follows Bottle and Bond for a start, so it's four years old, 50% ABV, a lot more alcohol, a lot more flavour comes through. But the reason why I really like Rittenhouse is for the money, it tastes as good as uh, a whiskey that's about half as much price again. Okay. Rittenhouse, last time I bought a bottle, was around about 46, 45, 46 pound. Uh, Sazerac, for example, is hitting like your 50 to 60 area. And don't get me wrong, Sazerac's lovely, but Rittenhouse 
is on par in my opinion. It's stronger though, so it has that has that more alcohol, and I think that's why a lot of people get put off by it. But for the flavour you get and for the money, I think I, th- I do think Rittenhouse is one of the best value rye whiskies out there. There's less expensive ones as well. I mean, you get things like Jim Beam. They've started doing a rye whiskey, uh, and that that's around about thirty pounds. It's it's a reasonable sipping whiskey. It really is. For that ten pound more, you're getting a lot more flavour coming through. I'm not saying Jim Beam does bad whiskey. Obviously, Jim Beam does nice whiskey. Uh, I'm I'm not against any whiskey producer really. It, 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 I suppose it all comes down to budget at the end of the day, uh, and what and what each individual likes as well. Jim, uh, sorry, Jim Beam, Sazerac, Rittenhouse. I've covered. House. See, I, I think Old Fitzgerald does one. Old Fitzgerald, not that no, new not Old Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald. Sorry, Old Forester. Old Fitzgerald is another one. I think Old Forester do a rye whiskey as well. You see, a lot of distilleries they've started to create rye releases because it used to be the popular one. Then bourbon took over, and now a lot of people are rediscovering rye. It's going through this lovely resurgence, and so distilleries have started to re- start creating rye and selling it again. Now that's how it works. And so you'll often see that distilleries that produce bourbon are also doing a rye release, um, as I was saying with Jim Beam, for example. But they were all, they, a lot of them were doing rye beforehand as well. It's just it wasn't as popular. Uh, now, slightly sidetracking a little bit, skipping a bit across the bourbon, you mentioned uh, wild turkey. Yep. I was going to ask what kind of one that was. Wild turkey is bourbon. But wild turkey is bourbon with a very high rye content. So it's still oh. 51% corn, but they have a lot of rye in the remaining mash bill. So it still comes through with that spice. 49% rye. It's not 49% rye, I don't think. But it's a very, very high rye content. So even for a bourbon, it's got a lot of spice to it coming through, um, which is why I just want to bring that up now. It technically is a bourbon, but it's it, a lot of people who want to try ryes that have been drinking a lot of bourbons, they'll go on to something that's a bourbon with a high rye content as like a, a stepping stone across just to get... Uh, familiarised with the flavour because they're very very contrasting bourbon's lovely and sweet uh, from the corn rye like I say has this spice mm, I don't know which one I prefer more probably neither but well you can smell the bourbon right now oh oh yeah this uh, literally just picked up yeah. that oh I think I've had bourbon before you probably have that's corn right predominantly corn yeah but there's other stuff goes into wild turkey and uh, sorry there's other stuff goes into eagle rare and, and other bourbons as well um, this is just one that I happen to have open at the moment this was my um, this was my birthday treat to myself last year actually Ah, you haven't drunk much yeah I don't like guzzle the bottle <laughs> I just put a straw in there <laughs> uh, so I think that about wraps up my introduction to um, American whiskey like I say, we'll be covering a lot more next episode so, pop quiz. The rules for corn whiskey, go. 51% corn. That's bourbon whiskey. That's why I said corn, just to trick you. It was a trick question. I can only learn so much, and I refuse to learn any of this. Bourbon, 51% corn, though, as you said. Um, What's the rules for corn whiskey? Corn whiskey, 80% corn, at least. Oh. But they can also use... They can't use brand new casks. They have to use reused, uncharred... Uh, sorry, they can use brand new casks, but it can't be charred. They can use reused casks, and they can sell it. Without age. I feel like I'm in a maths test. It is. It's crazy, all the rules to American whiskey. If corn whiskey is going 50 miles an hour and bourbon whiskey is going 70 miles an hour... If you fill a cask at so many litres a moment and there is a hole in the bottom that is emptying at so many litres, how long will it take you to fill that cask? Longer than if you just boned up the hole. Right? Just get some duct tape. Yeah, that'd work. Uh, so yeah, that's bourbon. Uh, that's not particularly bourbon whiskey. Actually, we've covered a lot of whiskies. Next week, we'll be going more onto bourbon whiskies, and more importantly, an area that I've really wanted to talk about: prohibition. Oh yeah, you love prohibition. Well, you love the prohibition time. You know, like. <laughs> 
Uh, so that covers this topic. Um, we're, like I say, next time we'll be going on to bourbon whiskies, and more importantly, an area that I absolutely love is prohibition. Um, uh, we'll move on to the tasting then. Any any questions? Nope. And now on to the tastening. So for the episode's tasting, I thought we'd uh, choose a rye whiskey scene as that's what we've been talking about, and it's kind of the earliest stage of American whiskies, as we discussed. Um, today we. We are going to be trying Sazerac Rye, which is done by the Buffalo Trace Distillery. Well, you got to have rye whiskey to go on those country roads. Buffalo Trace is a, a big distillery in America, and they, they, they do do a lot of different whiskeys, actually, but I really do like Sazerac Rye, along with the Rittenhouse, but this is the uh, sample I had. So, yeah, Sazerac Rye. Oh, I forgot what we were doing. Now, as I was saying, ryes, they tend to have that spice to them, often quite a pepperiness, and really is... Pr- well, I'll, I'll let you have Okay, but, okay, but, uh, let me smell, let me smell. The legs are actually quite far apart. It's quite a thick whiskey, this one. Viscous? There's a little bit more viscous, viscous, viscosity to it. A little bit more viscosity to it. That's the one. And there you go. You got that right, Tilly. Um, and it's, it's got a nice kind of dark amber colour to it. It's kind of very typical rye. It's, it's great. And yeah, on the nose, there's a little bit of a pepperiness. And there is a sweetness to it as well. You, you, you know, you do get it coming through. And this is, what, 80% rye or something? I'm not sure on the exact rye mash bill for Sazerac, actually. I'll have to look that up. But it has to be at least 51% to be called rye. Right, yeah. I knew there was definitely percentages. And corn is the one that has to be a high percent, right? Corn whiskey has to be 80, at least 80%. That's it. But, I mean, nosing this, I'd, I'd say that there probably is some, some corn in here from the sweeter kind of side to it. And so, yeah, taste-wise. <clears throat> so, yeah, definitely a nice medium side. It's not too heavy on the alcohol, actually. Sazerac isn't uh, too high on the ABV, so it, it can be shrunk neat. It's, it's very nice. And th- it has that kind of nice corn side coming through to it as well. It really does. On, on the way down, you feel this balance between the spice and the corn. And um, it's one of the reasons why I really do like Sazerac. It's got that balance to it. So, yeah, I mean, that's it, Sazerac is a nice, typical kind of rye whiskey, and it's one of those that you can use for um, for making cocktails, particularly those older styles of cocktails. Like an old-fashioned? Like an old-fashioned. A new-fashioned? No, I don't know what a new-fashioned is. And that pretty much concludes the tasting section for uh, Sazerac. So this has been Cascades. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe on whichever podcasting platform you use. It really does help us, and more importantly, may lead others to listening and discovering this show. You can also visit our website or send us an email if you have any questions. Links are in the description below. And as always, we'll leave you with one editing goof. Bye. Goodbye. Oh, okay. Which so we bourbon's discovered always in the first corn. bit. Because I said bourbon must be at least 51% corn to its okay, mash bill. I might have blanked out, because in my defence, you have books over there. One is out of order and upside down, and it is staring me in the face. It goes so what book three upside you... down, one, two, four. Yeah, that's so I know which one I was on. Why is it upside down? So I know which one I was on. But, you'd already... but then why is it out of order? So I know which one I was on. Why do you need two different fall fallback plans to know which one you're on? So I look, okay, that is the complete works of Calvin and Hobbes. I know. I can read. There's a lot of stuff in there and like it it's just keeping track of it is very hard. <laughs> yeah, that complex plot of Calvin and Hobbes. Hey, it's quite complex actually. You saw how he treated the snowman. I was gonna say the snowman.